You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. This episode of The Way Home Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Christian Standard Bible. I just want to say a word real quick about the CSB translation. I've been using it in my preaching and my writing and in my personal devotions for the last couple of years. I really like their uh, balance of good scholarship and faithful translation work also with readability. I want to make you aware of a special new commentary series called the Christian Standard Commentary. This is a set of commentaries that focuses on the theological and exegetical concerns of each biblical book while paying careful attention to balancing rigorous scholarship and practical application. I am always on the hunt for a good set of commentaries to help me with my preaching and with my writings, particularly when I'm writing things like the characters of Christmas or the characters of Easter or other things to really help me illuminate the passage in scripture that I'm studying. This series really helps you understand each biblical book's theology, its place in the broader narrative of scripture, which I think is very important, and its importance for the church today, drawing on the wisdom and skills of dozens of evangelical authors. Uh, It's really a tool for enhancing and supporting the life of the church. If you go to lifeway.com during the month of April, you can get the Christian Standard Commentary Series for 30% off, which is a really incredible deal. So go to lifeway.com and get the Christian Standard Commentary Series. I highly recommend it. And we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode of The Way Home Podcast. Welcome to the Way Home Podcast. I am so glad that you're joining me today. Uh, I have heard great feedback from folks who enjoy our conversations, whether they're in the carpool line or washing dishes at home, doing some chores, or perhaps uh, working out or exercising. And I love that you enjoy listening to this. And if you uh, have comments or questions or just feedback about any of our conversations, I would love for you to uh, send them to me. So if you can use the contact information uh, on danieldarling.com, I'd love to hear from you. Well, today we have a great guest in store. It's uh, my friend, Ben Mandrell, who is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, the largest Christian publisher in the world. If you have ever done a Bible study from say, like someone like Priscilla Shire, uh, that's a Lifeway product. If you have read a book, published by B&H, that's also a Lifeway product. Uh, if you read the CSB Bible translation that many people enjoy, that I enjoy, that's a C- That's under the Lifeway umbrella as well. So Ben talks to me about the challenges and opportunities with Christian publishing. He talks about his previous role as a pastor for a long time uh, in two churches, a traditional church and a church plant in Denver, and gives some advice about what it's like to preach on Easter. This podcast is released the last in a series around the themes from my book, The Characters of Easter, which is still available if you go to any bookstore, uh, or you can go to my website, danieldarling.com slash Easter, and have links to order the book there. So I think you'll enjoy hearing from Ben. He'll also talk about the way that Lifeway helped churches during the pandemic who were not able to do vacation Bible school or Sunday school or kids ministry or camps, and they were able to really resource the church with a lot of digital products and digital resources that were really helpful. Uh, Ben is a a good conversation, a good listen. We also talk a little bit about growing up in Illinois, being fans of Michael Jordan. So that's a little bonus content for you. But let's go to our conversation now with Ben Mandrell. 
I'm glad to have Ben Mandrell, CEO of Lifeway here on the Way Home Podcast. Ben, thanks for joining me today, man. Man, what an honor. Thanks for having me on here, Dan. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I'm having you on for a couple of reasons. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while since you took the Lifeway position, but even before that, when you're pastoring in Colorado, uh, but I'm doing this special series about Easter. Before that, let's just talk about you coming to Lifeway. So you pastored for a lot of years before coming to Lifeway. You know, one of the things I love about people who lead evangelical organizations or denominational organizations, people who've pastored before, because there's kind of a sense, there's a, there's, there's a sense, you can get a sense where you're, you're in a parachurch situation and you're, you're kind of isolated a little bit from local church life. Right. And the fact that you are, you've been a pastor most of your life, how does that kind of shape the way you lead Lifeway? Well, my first love is and always will be the local church. And uh, every day I lead at Lifeway is a day that I think about the local church. And I just, I'm wired that way. You know, when you cut your teeth in ministry in the local church, it's just inside you, you know, you just smell like the church. And so I'm excited to lead Lifeway into a season of kind of recoupling with the local church and trying to uh, be as close as possible to church leaders that we can understand what they need and how can we can resource them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think it's so important just to have that sen- sentiment and be thinking about how does this help the church? You know, I pastored a small church and I was so appreciative of Lifeway because, you know, our small group leaders, our people could really have resources and 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 really teach in a way that I was trustworthy, but also relevant. Well, you know, pastoring is a time consuming business. And when yeah. you're involved in people work, you're consumed with people like that's just how it works. And it's really difficult to pull up into a side room and write all your curriculum for your kids or yeah. to come up with the study for the men or whatever. I mean, the job that Lifeway has is significant and that we can save, we can redeem the time of the pastor and the church leaders by simply creating the stuff in our shop that, that they can use and it's ready to go and it fits their context. So last year we're, it's hard to believe it's been a year. I mean, in some ways it's like, it seems like it's been 20 years, but it's been a year since last Easter. And of course, last year, churches couldn't gather because of COVID. Uh, We had to do it online. And uh, this year, more churches are gathering, although some still can't. Lifeway really pivoted to helping the church with resources in a way that was really cool. Just talk about your decisions in in those moments and, and, and doing that to help resource the church. Yeah. You know, one thing, the way I talk about this, Dan, is I think it's important to recognize in Acts chapter two, when you see the believers gathering together in each other's homes and they're feasting on the apostles teaching, and there's this beautiful cameo of the early community of the local church, it would be hard to imagine Luke saying anything like, and then there was this global pandemic in which the apostles were forced to stay home. Nobody could meet together and there was no breaking of bread in each other's homes. And yet it was still a good season for the church. I can't imagine Luke saying that. I think he would say, and that was devastating to the church. So, I mean, as much as we want to put a silver lining in the last year, and there's a lot of things we've learned, it's been really hard on the church, really hard on pastors, really hard on discipleship, really hard on uh, evangelism. Like, it's been a tough year if you're in local church leadership. Uh, So I'm grateful for everything we've learned. I think we've grown and been stretched, but every pastor I know, they're excited to have their church back and begin rebuilding. Uh, Lifeway had to pivot. We had to figure out, okay, how do we help churches in this season when they're just trying to figure out how to pull off this next Sunday in a virtual way, or they're trying to figure out how to equip parents to do discipleship in their home because they couldn't bring their kids to the church to do Sunday school, or 
or classes or small groups. So we've just begun to learn more and more about digital and how we can make things digital. And the future definitely is going to be involving uh, more and more things available in digital format that people can use in various contexts. So we're working in that direction. Yeah, you really pivot and we're very creative to give families things that they can do at home, churches that can do church-wide, which was really super helpful. Uh, this year, obviously, more churches are going to be able to gather in person for Easter, yeah. thankfully. And yes. you think about Easter, one of the things that is distinctive about the Christian faith and the thing about Easter is that it's an embodied faith and that Jesus didn't just die for our souls. He did, but he, you know, our bodies are going to rise at the last day. So there is something about gathering in person that can't be replaced. Yes. So it seems like this Easter is going to be pretty special because of the ability to gather again, don't you think? Well, the whole celebration, which is a huge part of what it means to be a Christian, not just not just Easter, as special as Easter is, because it is the Super Bowl of Christianity, so to speak. It's the best time of the year to be a Christian is celebrating the resurrection. But and just even thinking about Christian weddings, uh, thinking about special celebrations like, uh, you know, baby dedications and things that churches do to celebrate new life. All that's been lost in COVID. And so as people are able to gather again, I think this Easter is going to start to feel like, okay, the church is coming back. People are going to be able to get into a room together again, hear each other sing, hear testimony. And most importantly, is that time in the lobby of connecting with people and having those informal conversations that make, make life meaningful. And man, we've missed that, haven't we? We really have, you know, and I think we're feeling the effects in society, right? Where you know, all the gatherings that we took for granted, you know, the birthday parties, the parent-teacher things, all of our church gatherings and the little things, even the meetings we hated attending, right? They were like, oh, okay, I got to go to this. How they're formative, right? So everyone's just was for a long time, just locked inside arguing yes. with each other online. <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of why we had more tension, right? Right. I have a lot of pastor friends and uh, man, it's just been hard to preach into that camera. It's been hard to preach into a room that feels you know, at best, you know, sparse. And it's not that it's not that their egos are damaged. It's just it's hard to get energy out of it. It's hard to feel like there's momentum. It's hard to feel like we're we're moving forward. We're growing. Uh, all those encouragement, all the encouragement that comes with the gathering, that's been hard on the heart of the pastor who's trying every week to to grow his church and to grow his people and he can't even see his sheep. Yeah. Talk about preaching on Easter. Uh, I mean, yeah. you pastored for many years. Yeah. What is it like to preach on Easter? What are you thinking in your mind as you're, as you're preparing for that? What advice do you give to pastors? Well, I'm not the most seasoned preacher, but I did do it 15 years in a row. And I can say towards the, towards the end, I began to give myself a lot of grace. I think pastors on Easter feel like they need to preach the greatest sermon they've ever preached on that Sunday. And, and yeah. it's, it's a ton of pressure and yeah. everybody knows it's, you know, you got to go back to the classic text. It's not like you can approach Easter from Leviticus. I mean, you, you right. need to hit, you need to hit the resurrection texts and they're fun and they're exciting. But at the same time, it's like Christmas. It's, it's a real pressure on a pastor to figure out how do I say this in a way that people have never heard it before yeah and you don't have to uh, no one expects you to do that like just preach the passage and be grateful that we've got this amazing testimony of Christ's death and resurrection recorded in holy scripture uh I, I so if I could go back I'd tell myself to chill out a little bit like don't put yeah. so much pressure on yourself like I gotta nail it you know that's such a great word because if you think about it, 
you know, God uses us in spite of ourselves, you know, and we don't want to get in the way of the message. And then you think about it too. There are big times and moments that sermons that really shape us. And we're like, that was a huge moment, but mostly we're shaped by ordinary sermons that we kind of forget, but week after week, year after year, you know, kind of shape. It's the, it's the cumulative effect of preaching that has the biggest impact. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was preaching, it would always be that Sunday that I didn't expect anything to happen where God like used the sermon the most. Yeah. And the sermon, the sermons where I thought, man, this, I have spent more time. I've orally rehearsed this 47 times. I could do it right. almost memorized. Right. Those are the ones where I almost didn't feel the spirit's power because I was just relying so heavily on my own wisdom. Yeah. No, that's such a good word. And, and, and less pressure, you know, to have to perform in that way. That's cool. So what excites you about Lifeway and in, in this moment? Uh, and maybe, maybe talk about some of the things that are you're excited about. And, uh, you know, second to that, I love that you just unveiled a new logo, some new branding, you know, which is always fun. Just talk about kind of what you're trying to convey and, and what the mission of Lifeway is in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've, like many companies, made uh, excruciating decisions through COVID. And we've had to say no to some things that we've said yes to in the past in order to be able to really focus on the core of what we do. And so I think um, scarcity creates clarity. And I think as we have lost some ground because churches haven't gathered, it's also forced us to have the hard conversations about, okay, what are we really good at? And what what do we provide that's unique, that's not being provided in other places? And, and let's, let's identify those areas and then let's put more resources toward those things to feed those things. So we've gotten really clear about what our core things are and we're reallocating more resources to, to do it even better. And so we're excited. We're excited that as of right now, camp registration is way up for the summer. We're excited that VBS searches online are way up. Churches are planning to get back to loving on their kids and their students again. And this is a good sign. That's a good sign for the church at large, but it's also a good sign for Lifeway because we're beginning to see some light at the end of this tunnel. And we're, we're, we're beginning to see church leaders with a, a growing sense of excitement. I was with a pastor yesterday who's talking about some of the plans they have over the next couple of months to be, you know, getting back to business again with some of the discipleship stuff and things they're doing. And you can just tell he's excited. He's ready to get back. It's almost like, you know, when you were in college and you'd get back from, from Christmas break and everybody was so excited to see each other, that feeling is starting to happen at Lifeway. We're, we're feeling that way. Like things are coming back. Yeah, that's really cool. And I do, it does seem there's going to be a pent up desire to gather, yes. to get to these, I, the silver line. I mean, COVID's awful. The, you know, the 500,000 or so people have died is awful. Don't want to make light of that. If there are some silver linings in it though, it does seem it has forced us to really appreciate the things we took for granted in terms of the simple parts of gathering things like camps and VBS, you know, like before COVID, you're thinking, okay, VBS every year. Now your kids love it, but as a church, you're thinking, okay, well, let's roll it out again. And then you don't have it. And then you're like, wow, we really need this. And I think about that with the camps too, like how formative those camps are for our young people. I mean, I know myself and yourself probably just going to a camp or two or three in your life. And I I love, I love that uh, people are ready to do that again. Without a doubt, uh, you know, when recently my wife and I, we served a kids ministry in our church and, you know, kids ministry has just been really, scar- you know, just scarce. There's just not very many kids there. 
And so, you know, you get in a room and they're all sitting in six feet apart and there's music going up on the stage and like, it's just not near as fun as when the kids were, you know, they used to just be teaming in the church and, you know, there's so much energy and fun. And so, man, the kids are coming back and the programming that we've loved, like vacation Bible school and camps and the creative stuff that we've done in the past as churches, we're going to be able to do that again soon. So Lifeway is real excited to get behind churches who are ready to get back into action. And let's do it. Let's get, let's get in the game together. Yeah. I mean, I, this has been a hard year for kids, you know, my, my, yeah. my, you know, the, in our church, the older kids started meeting the high school age and junior high, the littler ones, not as much, you know, and my, my youngest is nice. She's like, just like, there's nothing for kids. I mean, like you forget the kids actually want to go to this stuff and want to go to yeah. school and want to do all that. I just feel for them. And I'm glad these things are starting up. I love what you guys do with camps, like huge camps and all that is so formative. Uh, in the life of our kids. You asked me about the new branding and logo. I do want to talk yeah. about um, right in the middle of our logo is a, is a little mark that does a lot of things for us. It, it, it actually contains four different messages in that one little mark. Mm. And so if you had a chance to look at it, but there's a cross there because we want Lifeway to continue to be a conservative theological place where our resources are cross-centered, Christ-centered, sticking with scripture and people trust uh, the resources we create. And then there's a piece of folded paper because we believe in paper products. Uh, You know, I'm sure you've seen this, Dan, but sometimes a room full of people with technology is distracting. It can be better if you're doing a Bible study at times for people just to have a booklet or to have a piece of paper and to put the phones away, put the screens away and just focus on scripture. And we believe that there's going to be a place in the future for paper products and, you know, in terms of beautiful books, beautiful uh, short-term Bible studies and things like that. We want to continue to do some print, but there is a square at the top of the logo that's a pixel because we know that there is going to be a need for digital. Our kids, they use digital tools like with such simplicity and ease. I mean, we've all had our kids show us how to do things on our phones. Yes. And they, <laughs> the church of 2030, there's no doubt they're going to use technology and the way they do discipleship. Lifeway wants to be in the front of that. And then Lastly, there is a person, and this is for me the most important part of our logo is that we're personal and we're relational. And we realize that we we are only as good as our relationships with the churches and with people who are needing these these tools. So that's a little bit of the a little bit of where we're headed. Before we return to our conversation, uh, I'd like to tell you about a new sponsor. It's called The Compelled Podcast. Uh, this is a really exciting new project. I know there's a lot of Christian podcasts to listen to, including the Way Home podcast here. But if you are into storytelling, The Compelled Podcast might be what you're looking for. Uh, they find Christians who tell incredible stories of how God changed their lives uh, and combine these testimonies with sound effects, music, a narration. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, they released an incredible story with a woman by the name of Laura Perry, a young woman who was raised in the church, but uh, rebelled against church's teaching and uh, chose uh, the life of a transgendered uh, man for 10 years. She fell deeper and deeper into this and uh, went through all the numerous surgeries and body changes. But one day she had an encounter with the love of Christ and was transformed by him and returned to the faith that she had abandoned. A powerful story. 
it's really relevant uh, for the day and age in which we live, and uh, I would encourage you to listen. You can listen to Laura's story and many more like it, searching for Compelled on your favorite podcast app or by visiting compelledpodcast.com. We're grateful for Compelled for sponsoring this episode of the Way Home Podcast. Okay, let's return to our conversation. The role of a denominational organization or a parachurch organization is coming alongside churches. And we, we need that, you know, it's essentially Lifeway and and organizations like that are essentially churches pooling the resources to say, let's, let's create, let's put our minds together and create really good uh, and important tools for us, for our churches. So I love, I love that. You, one of the things I like about you, Ben, and you know, you are, I feel like you're a unifier and a bridge builder. You know, there's a lot of division today in the church among, you know, evangelicals and whatever. And I just, I kind of like the way you approach in terms of building bridges. I mean, what drives you to be that way? It's a kind of your experience as a, you pastored a traditional church and you pastored a church plant. So you, in both of those contexts, yeah. it seems like you really have to, you have to build bridges with a, a wide variety of different kinds of people, right? Yeah, man. I think people are fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. I, and I've always said this, as long as you love people, you can do all kinds of different jobs. Uh, I loved my time pastoring a historic church that had 65 years of history behind it. I loved my time of planting a church with all these new people. And I'm enjoying my time at Lifeway where we're learning how to, you know, serve church leaders the way we're doing it. And, you know, I, I know you have a passion for this too, Dan, but it's a lot of it's just our tone and how we communicate. and. I think we have a a responsibility as Christians to let our gentleness be evident to all. Uh, So, man, my approach to leadership has been, yeah, be strong, be firm, but be gentle as much as possible. Be Christ-like. So I try to be very careful about what I put on Twitter. I try to be very careful about what I put on social media. I try to be very careful when I'm standing up in front of a group of people and representing Lifeway. Uh, that humility is something we want to embrace and continue to uh, model, but it's not easy. You know, it's easier to return an insult with an insult. Uh, And so it's just, it's important that we pay extra careful attention to our tone and what we say and how we say it. And it does seem like there's so many perverse incentives to, to tear each other down, to build a platform based on divisiveness and it seems like as Christians, we always have to be countercultural and say, I know the incentives are here, but this is what the Christ calls me to do to not to say we'd be squishy on important things, but it seems like a lot of things we fight about are not, are not core theological commitments. They're just these, you know, preferences and stuff. Um, so I love the fact that you're kind of maintaining that and kind of being a model for other pastors and leaders as they engage publicly, you know. Well, I'm trying, you know, I think um, part of the responsibility of a leadership of this role is to try to be an example. And, you know, when someone sends me a scathing email, of course, I write a return in my mind yes, <laughs> and what I want to say. And a lot of time that comes from a spirit of defensiveness or self-righteousness. And I see that in myself. We all need the gospel. We all want to be right. We all want to be applauded. We all want to be esteemed. 
And, you know, I heard a guy say years ago that success is when people who know you best respect you the most. Mm, And so I try to, I try to live by that principle. Uh, The people at Lifeway who have the most access to me, they're the ones that I want to say, he walks with the Lord. He prays, he cares about people. This is not about him. Uh, I can't control what people say about me on social media. And most of the times they're working on partial information. Uh, so I, I just try to put more emphasis on the people that are all around me and what they think rather than the strangers. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions. You know, you, you went from being a pastor to you're kind of a, in some ways in your role, you're kind of a pastor to pastors, right? And you interact with a lot of them. This has been a hard season to pastor. What encouragement are you giving to pastors right now uh, leading in this moment who are worn out and some have quit, some are sticking in there? What, what encouragement would you give? I think pastors live on adrenaline in most in most uh, circumstances. I think one of the hardest things about being a pastor in this season is there just hasn't been that much to do, meaning there's just not that much people work that can be done because people are isolated and you can't visit people and talk to people, have coffee with people. And so what I've been trying to encourage pastors to do is spend more time with your wife, spend more time with your family get outside more, enjoy the, breathe the fresh air, like try to make the most of this unique season and getting your soul back to good health, spending quality time with people that you feel like have been time starved, use it to your advantage. Because I think that most churches have been very gracious toward their pastor in this season. They know like there's just not that much he can do to fix this situation. It is what it is. Yeah. And so I know when I was a pastor, I would have thoughts sometimes of, man, if I just had more time to practice the spiritual disciplines and then there's all this time and we don't know what to do with it. Like, yeah, we freak yeah. out because now we have all this time and <laughs> it, it, we're just not used to it. Yeah. So really I, good... I do think pastors who are being healthy right now are unashamedly using this season to, to strengthen their souls do some reading on some subjects they've always wanted to read on, uh, get ready because the church is coming back. Yeah, it is. I believe that so strongly. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Two more questions. One, what is a good book that you have read recently? What's a book you've read recently that you're like, this is really great. That's good. Um, I've read several. My wife and I are going back through the old classic sacred marriage by Gary Thomas. Love that book. I mean, it's just really, it probes at a level of marriage that very few books on that subject do. And it just really is a, it's a book about your relationship with the Lord more than anything. Mm -hmm. And so we're going back through that book and, you know, the subtitle is so good. You know, what if marriage is more about our holiness than our happiness? Yeah. And we read it together years ago, but we've been going back through it again now. And it's just, you know, when you read a book a second time years later, you read it differently with fresh eyes. And so in this season of our marriage, it's, it's challenging. Uh, so I'm enjoying that. I, I recently picked up Faith for Exiles uh, by David Kinnaman, I think. Yeah. Uh, but a study done on young people and how they are uh, leaving the church and what's causing some to be resilient disciples versus habitual churchgoers. And uh, I'm just interested in the next generation and studies that are being done. Lifeway Research is leaning in on this too, in terms of what can we learn about the church of 2030, 2040 now and begin building resources to that end. Yeah, I like that. One more question. Uh, You're from from Illinois and I'm from Illinois. So your sports allegiances, are you a Bulls fan? Very important. Cubs fan? 
I pray to God you're not a St. Louis Cardinals fan, but maybe you are, and that's okay. I'll forgive you. Where do you land? Chicago well, Bears? I don't know. I was definitely raised in Illinois during the 85-86 Chicago Bears and yes. Michael Jordan's glory days. It's hard for me to follow those teams now because they've come so far from glory. Yes, they have. <laughs> Did you watch been, The Last Dance? Did you watch The Last Dance? I did, and it. I, I didn't it think awesome. MJ, I didn't think MJ looked very nice in that. MJ doesn't come out looking great. No, but, but let me tell you something. What last May when there was no sports on TV, everything was bleak, and it was like to be able to watch that every week. Do you was know? Awesome. Do you it was know awesome. what the most, the most, the stickiest scene in my brain is on that whole deal? It's the scene when he's laying on a couch in a hotel, smoking a cigar all by himself because he can't even go outside. Yeah. It, like I didn't realize, like everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan, but I didn't realize just how lonely and horrible that must have been. Yeah. Honestly, that it, it really probed in a way that I didn't, I was surprised they put all that in there in the vulnerability. And uh, he's a man, like no doubt the greatest of all time, driven excellent all that but not a real like like not not real happy like doesn't seem ever satisfied and that's right sad sad to me you know did you feel that way too well you you've probably seen hamilton right yeah you know in that song where is that you'll never be satisfied there's something about these highly ambitious highly gifted people that they just have this drive that no matter what they achieve, they've got to achieve more. And that's what makes them great, but it's also what makes them miserable. Yeah, that's and so true. I think MJ is that guy. I think he still worries that people might out there think that he's not the goat and he's got to continue to defend that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's so just true. in him. He's you know, when he, when he was ushered in the hall of fame, sworn to the hall of fame, he gave a speech. He gave a speech and David Robinson, who's a Christian, gave a speech. Yeah. And the, and the difference in those two speeches, someone who's never been happy and is still fighting old battles and someone who's satisfied with who he is in, in Christ and what God has done through was stunning, really. And I yes. say that as a huge fan of Jordan, I am but it's too. so true. It was a window into his soul. And it was like, actually, I, I wouldn't want to, to be Michael Jordan. I don't want to be like Mike because there's a, there's a real sadness there right well when it when they interviewed the other players on that team they seemed happier scotty pippen seemed happier uh totally you know john paxson like they they just yeah. those guys have kind of moved on and, and you know they still yeah. have the bulls memorabilia in the background but they're they're just normal guys now yeah yeah jordan is I, still jordan <laughs> yeah i will say my son has nba 2k 21 and we play that he crushes me every time by like 40 and I can never beat him, but we play the old guys like the eighties well, teams with bird and magic and Jordan. That's awesome. And it's, it's so fun. And my son never answered your question though. What? Your question is where do my sports loyalty? Oh yeah. Lie? Yeah. I, I have three sons who have, who have grabbed on to, they love the Titans, man. They, they love the local teams, wherever we I live. Think that's they, cool. They love the Preds. They love, um, the Tennessee volunteers with all of their challenges. Yeah. Uh, so it's That's just, cool. it's been fun. When we moved to Denver to start a church, P- 
Peyton Manning led them to the Super Bowl that year, which was a cool connection between Tennessee and Denver. And yeah, we love the Denver's a Broncos city, man. Yeah, it is. So That's when cool. we came to Nashville, we said, let's do the same thing. Let's follow these teams. Let's get involved. This would be fun. The Titans are fun. Like I want them to win. I root for them, you know, and yeah. they've had some great years. And it's pretty cool, but yeah. Ben Mandrell, thank you for joining me today. Appreciate it. Grateful for your leadership and, uh, you know, glad to see Lifeway thriving and flourishing and you're thanks. providing a lot of great resources for the church. So grateful for that, man. Dan, thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor, really. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book, Away With Words, and you can visit awaywithwordsbook.com. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters.